Hi, you're listening to 10-Minute IS Paper. My name is Blair Wang. Today's paper is called Digital Contact Tracing Adoption in the COVID-19 Pandemic, IT Governance for Collective Action at the Societal Level by Kai Riemer, Raphael Siriella, Sandra Peter, and Daniel Schlagwein. Published in the European Journal of Information Systems in 2020. So before we begin this paper, I just want to acknowledge that the first and third authors of this paper have their own podcast, and I definitely recommend it as well. It's called The Future This Week. There's a link to it in the show notes. And uh, their podcast is actually a huge inspiration for this one. Certainly the format is very different. The topic is also somewhat different. It's more focused on the news of the week. But this idea that you can take fairly substantial knowledge and summarize it in a format that one can listen to while commuting to work is certainly one that I aspire to in this podcast. So this paper is yet another paper about COVID-19. In a sense, this paper here is like zooming out from episode 9, because in that episode, they looked at how the French COVID app didn't do so well from the angle of it being alienated from reality and being too entrenched in solutionism. If episode 9 is identifying the problem, this paper here is working towards a solution. The authors identify that part of the problem, more broadly, not just the alienation or the solutionism aspects, but broadly trying to get people to actually adopt the apps. So one of the biggest challenges to overcome is one of collective action. Specifically, it's a case of essentially this attitude of, I'm not going to install the app, other people will, and I will benefit when everyone else does. And there's all sorts of reasons why people might not choose to install the app, apart from the fact that they can wait for other people. It may be because of privacy concerns, and it may be because of the effort required. So getting over those, to be honest, fairly practical barriers is going to be something that we need to coordinate on. We might say in 2020 that we're all in this together, but some level of leadership and governance is going to be important to getting us where we need to be. So this paper introduces this keyword governance, or specifically IT governance, the governance of information technology. The authors define in section 2 that governance refers to processes of decision-making among actors towards some collective effort. Now, governance is actually something that IS literature has looked at a lot over the years, but as the authors point out in table 1, pretty much all the literature is more at an organization level, but we don't really know that much in IS research about societal-level governance. And the thing is, in a pandemic, that's kind of the level we need to be at. One of the things I really like about this paper is that they actually really clarify the different kinds of contact tracing. Certainly there's location tracking, and that will definitely tell you uh, where people have been and whom they've been in contact with. There is also proximity tracing, which doesn't require you to look at locations and GPS data, but it's more just like who you've been in contact with. And that works not over GPS, but over Bluetooth and sharing device IDs. Now that kind of proximity tracing, this paper here points out there's actually two types of those. There's one which is centralized, which is when all that data about which devices your device has interacted with is uploaded to a central server, probably a government server. But there is also decentralized proximity tracing. And this is one that we don't have in Australia, but a decentralized solution would, for example, be something based on the Apple-Google collaboration, where the data is collected on your individual devices. It's not sent to a government, but sort of over the network of Apple and Google devices. Essentially, the trade-off between decentralized and centralized proximity tracing is, in a sense, firstly, whether you're more inclined to trust the government or private companies. And secondly, 
how much specific information your government needs. Because a decentralized approach is good for your privacy, but it does mean that the government loses a lot of the ability to get live data. So now that raises a few questions. Which one of these options should we use? How do we figure that out? And how do we roll out whatever we picked in a way that actually persuades people to jump on board? Well, there's a few more concepts we have to go through in order to answer those questions. So how do we overcome this problem? Well, in table three, the authors summarize different possibilities across two dimensions. One is the decision-making entity. This ranges from private individuals all the way up to organizations, digital platforms, and governments. Now, across these decision-making entities, there are different levels of pushing people to use the app, ranging from voluntary to encouraged nudged and mandated. So on one end with voluntary, it's simply saying there is this app, you can use it, that's all. On the other end, it's you have to use the app as a legal requirement. Now in the middle, there's encouraged and nudged. Uh, with encouragement, it's essentially opt-in. It's communicating to people with the benefits of using the app, but hey, at the end of the day, you have to go and download it. Whereas on the other hand, with nudging, that's really more of a persuasive system design thing, just a little bit more forceful. And for example, that looks a lot less like opt-in and it looks a lot more like opt-out. So looking at these decision-making entities and these different ways of rolling out an app, how do we figure out which one is appropriate for our society? According to the authors, there's basically a spectrum from the mandated side, which also happens to align with collectivist cultures, and the voluntary side that also happens to align with individualist cultures and approaches. But according to the authors, there's actually six factors that'll influence where we land on this society level IT governance spectrum. And they are the immediate health risk to the population, prior experience with pandemics, cultural values, the role of government in the society, the level of trust in the government in the society, and the level of trust in technology. So just considering these six factors, you can already see that there's a certain kind of society that aligns with the mandated collectivist approach. Especially the East Asian societies, they happen to have went through SARS less than two decades ago, and they're also from this Confucian-influenced collectivist cultural background. So for example, the authors talk about South Korea. I remember flying to South Korea last year and having my temperature checked at an airport checkpoint half a year before anyone had ever heard of the new coronavirus. And that's a leftover from the SARS pandemic and it's been there ever since. So in a sense, COVID-19 has reactivated a lot of infrastructure and societal norms that are still there from SARS after almost two decades. And so this time around, South Korea and many others, they're fine to use apps that track your location. And this is in a thriving democracy. But because of the cultural norms in that society, people are okay with this. And on the other end are places where that wouldn't work. These are the places that would require a more voluntary, individualistic approach. Certainly, uh, the case of France is among these, as was made very evident in episode 9. Liberté, égalité, fraternité. And no mass surveillance. And the authors give the similar example of the US. And what's also common between these two, apart from the cultural values there, is that neither of them went through something like SARS recently. So because of that, it's a lot harder to persuade the public to take something more similar to the Korean approach. But then that's where there's an opportunity for non-government responses, decision-making entities of the individual, including the family and 
organization and digital platforms and instead of mandating app use we can encourage and nudge we can put in incentive structures for example saying that people can only enter a particular office or a particular shop if they are using the app or some other benefits that you can offer to people in that situation now the authors say that the context of australia is somewhere in the middle a balanced approach that on one hand a lot of the messaging is very collectivist that it is a centralized proximity tracing app that the government is putting out all this official marketing trying to persuade people to get on board. But on the other hand, it isn't legally mandated and it is something that's pushed out more through incentive structures, persuasion, and uh, thinking back to episode six about sense making in a crisis, a lot of this getting influencers on board to also promote the app. And among these local influencers is, for example, the co-founder of one of the high-profile Australian tech companies, There's a few reasons why I really like this paper overall. It really presents a suite of solutions to that problem of trying to develop an app-based solution to contact tracing, but also in a way that's very contextually aware of those cultural, social, geopolitical nuances. Being aware of those issues will certainly be helpful for the rest of this COVID-19 pandemic. But more importantly, understanding IT governance at the societal level will be really helpful going into the post-COVID-19 future as well. This has been an episode of 10 Minute IS Paper. Thanks for listening. The music on this podcast is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod and generously licensed under Creative Commons. You can find out more about this podcast at www.tmisp.org and you can reach out to me, Blair Wang, at www.blair.wang.com.